God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace be to you, my brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to start off by thanking you from the depths of my heart on behalf of Salem. Thank you so much for your generous tithes and offerings and financial gifts that you have continued to give to be able to help Salem in her ministries. You've been able to help Salem with our salaries, our utilities, our campus improvements and maintenance, and for that, and, and also our missions and so many of our programs for children and youth and adults. And I just want to thank you so much for your continued support of Salem Lutheran Church and Schools. And I also want to be able to acknowledge uh, what today is and as we take a look at our text and also what that means for us. But over the last few weeks, over the last uh, number of weeks, we've had a number of celebrations that we have celebrated together and as a country. We started with Memorial Day weekend where we honored the sacrifice and the lives of those who served and defended our country in order to guarantee our freedom and liberty. We celebrated Pentecost where it was the birth of the Christian church and the freedoms that are proclaimed in Christ and his forgiveness. We celebrated Many people celebrated D-Day, where U.S. troops and Allied troops stormed the beaches of Normandy and other places to be able to fight back evil and to be able to win liberty and freedom for those in Europe and beyond. And today, we celebrate Flag Day. And Flag Day is a day where we commemor commemorate and we celebrate our freedoms and liberty in the United States of America. And so today, as you go about your business, remember to thank God for your freedoms and liberties, not only in your faith, but also in our country. I want to let you know that uh, uh, we are planning to launch live in-person worship service as soon as possible. We are targeting June 21st, and there is more details to come, but just wanted to let you know that, especially as we follow state and county regulations and everything that means for us. Well, let's go ahead and get into God's Word. God's Word today, we're taking a look at Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 41. And this is a continuation of the Pentecost sermon. Pentecost, which I mentioned, uh, happened two weeks ago and uh, uh, that we celebrated. And it's a continuation of Peter's sermon uh, on that day. And so Acts 2, 36 through 41 says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. If you missed last week's message, I encourage you to go back and take a look at it on our website under our archives to be able to take a look at that section that Jesus Christ is both our Savior and our Lord. 
And Peter continued on, and this is after Peter had given a very lengthy message quoting Joel and Psalm 110 and Psalm 16, and the Israelites that were gathered in Jerusalem now have this response. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the hearts and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, into the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow, talk about an incredible impact that God's word of proclamation of grace and reclamation of lost sinners had upon the people of Israel of that day. The text tells us about 3,000 were added. And I know that I've heard and read that some say it was 3,000 souls, or I heard and read that it was 3,000 men who were heads of household. Either way, what an incredible impact God's word had on the people of their day. And I know that as we take a look at this little section and, and just focus on this, and more specifically, what it means for us, especially during the coronavirus, uh, the COVID-19 restrictions, and the I can't breathe Black Lives Matter context. I know that as we take a look at this text, we might say, well, what does this mean for us? And so I want to draw, it a, draw out a few points that hopefully uh, will be able to guide us through this. But I want to go back and just from a religious standpoint, uh, a, a faith standpoint, uh, going back to verse 37. It starts with the people, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, what shall we do? I think that's a question that many of us are asking at this point in time. What can we do? What should we do? What, what do we need to know in order to take any type of action or any type of response? And I'm going to start because God's word is greater and way more uh, eternally focused than the cares and concerns of right now. But hopefully we will bring that in as we go along. But the idea of, brothers, what shall we do? And God's word starts with our hearts. And in this short text, there's three very specific things that are important for each of us as followers of Christ. And, and it starts, this isn't one of the first things, but it starts with the question that hopefully should be on all of our minds. What should we do? Where do we start? What do we need to know? And so Peter replies, repent, repent. 
And for some, that's a very difficult thing to do. None of us like to say, I'm wrong or I'm sorry. It's not comfortable for our demeanor or who we are. We don't like to say, I'm sorry. We don't like to say, I am wrong. And yet that's exactly what Peter reminds us to do. That repent is just a short word. But the Israelites that were gathered in Jerusalem, whether they were Jewish, whether they were Galilean, whether they were Gentiles, whether they were Romans, whether they were from Africa or Spain, whether they were from Persia or Babylon, no matter where it was that they were from, they had gathered together for the Feast of Pentecost. And Peter reminds them, repent. And repent is a Greek word that we've heard over and over that means uh, metanoia. And that's not what that means. That's the actual Greek word, metanoia, which we get the idea of metamorphosis from, change away from, turn away from, take a 180 degree turn away from whatever behavior or actions is causing you to sin, to be unholy, to not be right in the sight of God and repent and to say, I am sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God, for what I have done. God, let me open up my heart. Let me open up my life so that you can come in and be my redeemer, my grace giver, my Lord, my Messiah, my master. Come in and clean out the cobwebs and the dust and the gunk that's gathered in my heart and in my life and in my soul. Let me open it up and be authentic and genuine with you, God, and say, Lord, let me open up. Come in and be a whole household heart cleaner. Clean it all up. And that's what we do when we repent. We say, God, change me. Let me make a complete turn around and set me in a new direction. I'm sorry, God. I need you, God. Repent and be baptized. And the idea of be baptized, I know a lot of people say, well, I've got to make this decision to be baptized. But actually, when you look at it, it's be baptized into, that the action is being done to you. It is be baptized, not I baptized, I choose to be baptized. It's not that. It is God's covenant of grace that comes and says, receive this gift. Receive what I give to you. Be baptized into. Be, and I know it's semantics, but it's this idea of someone else who is providing this gift of grace for you, this covenant of forgiveness that you are now signed, sealed, and delivered into the name of Christ. Be baptized in, or the Greek is into, epi, into Jesus Christ. And when we are baptized into someone, we have the full extent, the full full understanding, the full benefits of being part of their covenant of grace. Just like this lake behind me, full of water. God's grace is full of water that surrounds us and says, when you are baptized into my name, you are fully submerged into my love, 
my grace, my mercy, and my peace. And so, Peter says, repent and receive this gift of being baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins. And then, so we've got repent, receive, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Holy Spirit, God himself coming upon you and being able to allow you and encourage you, enable you, empower you to do incredible things in his name. To be able to change the hurt and the hatred that's going on around you. And to be able to bring love and kindness and charity and forgiveness to those who need it, need it the most. And this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. God calls us. This is all covenantal language that God is calling us into a relationship with him. Now, we're all called to follow Christ. And it is not a nine-to-five job. It's a full lifestyle that we are called into this relationship, called into his family, and called into his ministry in our homes, with our spouses, with our neighborhoods, and with those around us. And it is a calling for all of us. But who institutes the call? God himself. He's the one who taps us on the head and says, look to me, lean on me. And he's the one who taps us in the heart and says, I love you so much that I'm going to change your heart so that you can be caring and loving and forgiving to those around you. Because I'll tell you, it takes more courage to be able to love someone that you may not like than just about anything else. It takes courage to be a warrior for God, to be a champion for God, to be able to stand up for your faith and say, I'm in a relationship with God, and that's what matters most to me. And then my family, and then my neighbors, and those around me. And so, repent, receive, and be baptized, and then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? So you can respond. You can respond to the needs of those around us. And so Peter highlights that repent, that we are not right. We are not righteous. We are not holy. We are not perfect. We are not God. And we are not what the Father intended when he created the heavens and the earth in the Garden of Eden. We're stained by sin. And so repent of that and say, God, cleanse me, forgive me, heal me, wash me. Wash me externally, wash me internally, so that I can receive the gift of being in a relationship with God. By being baptized into God, into Jesus, our Redeemer, our Messiah. And then receive the gift and power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
we receive that so that we can respond. And we can respond first and foremost in our lives and in our faith to be able to say, God, lead me, lead me forward. Let me know what you need me to do. But I'm going to pause there for a moment and a reminder for us, because during this time, who would have ever thought that COVID-19 would ever be overshadowed by anything else around us? But just like news cycles, they move from cycle to cycle. We go from primaries to COVID to riots and looting. But underneath it, because there is injustice in the world. And the, until the world repents, which probably isn't going to happen this side of heaven, we step into the gap as champions for God, as warriors for Christ. And where do we start? And I think that's the question, especially as we're dealing with this Black Lives Matter and I can't breathe and the things that are important to us and are affecting us. And while we might want to remain neutral, we're still called to be able to stand up for the injustices around us and to be able to make a difference to be able to transform the world around us, or at least our part of the world, our local neighborhood. Where do we start? What should we do? What must we do? Well, as a follower of Christ, or as a person who wants to know God, I think Peter's words are important for us. Repent, be baptized, which means believe, and respond. We repent, we receive, we respond. But I think those same things kind of is in the, can also function when we're taking a light, a, a, a look at Black Lives Matter. Repent, receive, respond. I was working on our house and I noticed that there was a patch that uh, that didn't look right. Sure enough, that patch underneath it was all kinds of termites. There was all kinds of termites that had eaten its way through uh, the, the wood. And, and so what do I need to do? I want to eradicate the termite damage. I want to remove the affected and the damaged area. I want to make sure that the, the wound is exterminated and in, in, in the destructive attackers are removed and to be able to seal the access of this destruction. And if you've ever had to deal with termites, you know that a professional exterminator needs to come in. Well, repenting is like that. It's opening up the wound. It's opening up the area of destruction and to be able to ask God, the, the eternal exterminator, to come in and kill the sin in our hearts, to be able to remove the damage and the destruction, to be able to rip that out so we can make it new. Well, Next part is that receive. And in our lives, it's the grace and gift of God. 
It's not decision theology, it's God's covenant of grace. And God, who is the master craftsman, the master creator, the master builder, is the one who comes in. And just like with the termites, I don't have the skill or the ability to exterminate or to be able to recraft, recreate, rebuild the areas that were damaged. And so I've got to call in a professional. And in the same way with God, we call in God and we say, God, replace this damaged area, replace the core and the interior of this damaged area with a brand new foundation, brand new material. The house doesn't rebuild itself. The house relies on a master builder, a master craftsman to come in and to rebuild and to renew and to make new. And in our lives as Christians, we ask God to do that. But also when we take a look at social injustice around us, we say, okay, there are wounds that are here that we need to address. And also we say, we need someone who can come in and rebuild this. And if it's in our own hearts, in our own ways of looking at the world around us or our neighborhoods around us or the injustice, to be able to say, remove the bad and fill it with new. And then we respond and we provide a safe dwelling. Eh, with the termites, this might be stretching it a little bit, but a house is a safe dwelling for our family. And it's a responsible, appropriate home uh, in our neighborhood, in our community, and we want to keep it up. We want to make sure that our exterior and interior is not only safe, but also secure from damage, from termites, and from other things. And so we want to present a good image, a good house, a good neighbor to our neighbors. And as a follower of Christ, that's what we do too. We want to make sure that our lifestyle and our way of living reflects who we are as followers of Christ. That we speak to one another with calmness and peace. That we act towards one another with grace and unity and mercy in our homes, in our church, in our neighborhoods, in our community, all around us. But also that goes into, for those who are looking, how do we respond to injustice? That also means responding in acts of kindness, to be able to go out and care for the needs of those around us, to be able to solve problems and serve people. Pretty much that's what it comes down to, helping to solve problems and serve people. Well, how do we do that? And I know that's a question I've been asking. And I heard someone say that right now the Black Lives Movement, the I Can't Breathe Movement is a, it's not necessarily, I actually heard a pastor say this, it's not a, it's not the, a problem of the color of their skin. It's a problem that it's the color of sin. And that there has been injustice 
and racism and judgmentalism and hatred that has been going on for way too long, far too long. And so we need to eradicate, we need to exterminate that racism, that injustice, that judgmentalism, that cause of concern. Eradicate it completely. But to be able to respond in ways that we can, in an appropriate way. I heard a pastor mention that he likened it to the Black Lives Matter that should we jump in? Should we who are on the fringes help out and what do we do? And should we? And he referenced this idea that if you were walking in your neighborhood and you saw a house on fire, what would you do? I think all of us, if we saw a house especially a house of someone we knew, a neighbor that was around the corner, someone that, or even a stranger, that if we knew that their house was on fire, we would act, we would help, we would get involved, we would respond, we would engage, we'd jump in, we'd wanna respond. Right now, the lives of many people are, yeah, the lives of many people, it's, it's a difficult time right now. And there are people who have suffered injustice, bigotry, racism, hatred. And we as followers of Christ can respond to this burning building as Christians, we can pray. And that's first and foremost, because God's in charge and God knows what's gonna happen. We can pray, pray over and over that these problems and difficulties, these injustices, these, this, these difficult things that, are, that people are going through, that they become resolved through God's presence. God's grace. I think we listen. We listen. How many of us listen to the needs of people who are going through difficult times? And right now in this Black Lives Matter, I'm not black. I don't understand. It's not a political thing. But I know that there are people whose lives have been devastated, torn apart because of the injustice and racism and judgmentalism that goes on. And so I want to listen. I want to listen. I want to ask questions. Kind of the questions at the very beginning and the questions that's in our passage today. What must we do? What should we do? What can we do? What could I do? And for them, some, maybe it's just praying. For some, maybe it's just listening. For others, maybe there's something that you can get involved in as you seek to understand, as you listen to blogs or vlogs, as you read, as you um, 
seek out new information as you seek to understand. But by the way, don't get overwhelmed. There's so much out there. It can feel like a spinning cortex, vortex. But we can ask questions and seek to understand and to listen. I think we can think globally, but act locally as well. And maybe for you, it's just choosing one thing, one thing to act upon, to respond as a follower of Christ. There's multiple organizations and community options that are out there. You can do all kinds of searches to be able to find something that's in your neighborhood locally for you, where you can respond. Maybe it's helping with Charity on Wheels, getting involved if you haven't already. Maybe it's helping with our missions team and being able to just sending them an email and saying, how can I help? Maybe it's helping with our deacons to be able to reach out to someone who is in need of care and ministry. Maybe it's helping with Lutheran social services and to be able to say, how can I help with Lutheran social services? Maybe it's a blood drive. You're able to give your blood. Maybe it's helping at a local food shelter or community center. Or maybe it's going online at californiaforall.com and seeing what's there, californiaforall.com, and seeing how you can respond and get involved. Brothers, the questions from Acts is a spiritual nature, and that's a question that's going to last for us for all eternity. And we repent, and we receive, and we respond. But here in 2020, we're also called as Christians to be able to repent of our viewpoints that might be skewed, to be able to receive information that will help us to respond to the needs of our local community and our global community. And so I, like the Israelites, ask the question, what must we do? Hopefully this gives you an opportunity to ask those questions as well. And before we end today's message, I don't know how many of you have ever heard of Jack Dempsey, the boxer. Jack Dempsey was a seven-time world champion in boxing history. He was considered undefeated. And yet there was one person who defeated him. I don't know how many of you know his name, but his name was Gene Tunney. And Gene was in the military. He wanted to be a boxer. He wanted to be world champion. But there was an accident when he was in the military and he broke all of his fingers on his hands. And he couldn't box. The doctors told him he couldn't, wouldn't box anymore. The military told him he wouldn't box anymore. His family told him he couldn't box anymore. But Gene Tunney said, I'm gonna box and I'm gonna be a champion. And so what did he do? He changed his ways. He learned how to box using self-defense methods. And rather than charging in and punching, he learned to deflect and use other parts of his hand to be able to throw punches, to be able to defend 
and also to charge in. He also learned how to run backwards. He knew that he couldn't face Jack Dempsey head on. And so he learned how to step back, to repent, if you will, and change your ways and to be able to run backwards so that he could come in from a different direction. And through training and these different efforts of retraining himself, when Jack Dempsey and Gene Tunney faced off, Gene Tunney won. No one predicted it. No one could have understood it. No one could have believed it. But Gene Tunney, by changing his ways, responding in a different style, defeated Jack Dempsey. Dempsey was so upset that he challenged Tunney to another fight, and Tunney won that one as well. Brothers and sisters, as I think about our lives, sometimes when things are broken around us, we need to change our ways. We need to learn how to step back. And we need to learn how to confront a problem from a different direction. And in our lives as followers of Christ, we repent, we receive, we respond. And in our community and local neighborhoods, we do the same. Because yes, all lives matter, but more importantly, or just as importantly, I should say, during this time, for those who are under injustice, dealing with racial hatred, dealing with the impoverties and the struggles that they have to deal with, we as brothers and sisters of eternity in Christ need to come alongside, not from a political standpoint, but from a brotherly, sisterly, human follower of Christ standpoint to come alongside and say, what must I do? So God bless you. As God leads you forward, as you receive the Holy Spirit in order to be able to respond to the needs around you. God bless you and God be with you always and forever.
And as we close out our time of worship, I invite you to hold your hands up as a reminder that these hands have been given to us by God to be able to repent, throw off, get rid of the bad that is causing us to be blocked from God's grace and to be able to receive God's gifts of that grace and forgiveness to be able to use these hands in response of love to those under our roof, to those in our relationships, and to those yet to come. And so receive God's blessing. And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's bright smiling face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace always and forever. Amen.